Hey, it's Val, and this is Coffee with Val, where I chat with awesome people about their creative process, their cultural identity, and how they're continuing to grow as human beings. You can find all of my past guests at coffeewithbao.com, where you can also get in touch with me. Um, this is a really special episode because it's about being Vietnamese and the gazillions of ways to be Vietnamese, which obviously I'm Vietnamese, so <laughs> I care about it a lot. But um, I'm hanging out with somebody really cool, one of my uh, friends who is also a Vietnamese American in business and the arts. He's an entrepreneur, he's a music fanatic, uh, he's been in the entertainment industry for ages. And last year, he founded a company called VietQ Media to advocate for the Vietnamese representation within entertainment around the world and in the U.S. So here's my friend and the champion for Vietnamese musicians everywhere, Johnny D. Nguyen. What's up? Yeah! <laughs> What's up, man? So happy to be here, bro. I'm a big fan of the show and uh, just love everything you're doing here with Coffee with Val. Thank you, brother. What are you drinking? Um, I am drinking one of the strongest coffee out there in the game. <laughs> Lee's coffee, and I'm not even putting it, you suggested you put ice over this thing. Um, but I'm drinking it straight up, man, because I'm going to have a great conversation with you. <laughs> I've never tried to drink that out of the bottle because it's just like... It's crazy. But, I, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> so cheers I mean, to you. <laughs> thank you. Cheers. They sell that five-hour energy drink, but that has nothing to do with bottled Vietnamese coffee. <laughs> For those of you who have never tried Vietnamese coffee, I mean, it's AKA rocket fuel. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's uh, it blows five-hour energy out the <laughs> out the water, and it tastes good while doing it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Mm -hmm. I love it. Uh, Johnny D, it's been one of my favorite things to get into discussions with you since we've met about, uh, like I said, what it means to be Vietnamese in, in 2021. And I hope we can do some of that later on in this conversation. Mm -hmm. um, I want to give people a sense of who you are, where you come from and stuff. And I know that you were born and raised in Southern California. Mm -hmm. Can you share a little bit about your family story? Uh, whatever um, you can. Yeah, I was born in... Um a city called Santa Ana here in Orange County, uh, Southern California. And this this county and city is home to probably one of the largest communities of Vietnamese outside of Vietnam, so the Vietnamese diaspora. My, both my parents, which was really cool, both my parents came from a city called Guangzhou in central Vietnam. That's where they were born. However, they ended up residing um, in the south in a city called uh, uh, Dong Nai, which I got to, um, which I had the privilege of, of, of visiting. Um, nice. But so going back to Guangzhou, I am learning a little bit more about the people from there. I've uh, grew up, um, grew up here in America, going to these community like get-togethers from people from Guangzhou. Um, there's like a, a famous Vietnamese singer. Her name is Nhu Quyen. I believe was from there. Uh, they famous media journalist by the name of Lena Nguyen. Uh, her family is from that province as well. Um, nice. But the accent is something I never picked up. I have uh, grew up <laughs> learning the um, speaking, I'm sorry, speaking the Southern dialect, uh, Yongnam. Mm. Uh, Yong the yeah. 
the Yongdong or Yong Guangdi is very、um, flat, I would say, in terms of tonal. When I got to hear for the first time、um, in live in person when I went to Vietnam, and that's when I was like, okay, this is where this is where our family's from, because、uh, I can definitely <laughs> I could not understand it, man. I couldn't understand <laughs> because I'm so used to kind of following the t- the highs and lows of the. The Vietnamese、um, language, and、um, yeah, I, I, it was hard. So、um, I had it, it was it was hard for me to communicate with、um, my aunties and uncles at the time. And yeah, man, I'm actually looking forward to exploring that a little bit further in this next chapter of my career, where I'm going to be spending a lot more time in Vietnam to explore、uh, what you just asked me about my identity,、uh, but specifically、uh, the the Guangxi side of things. Dude, I'll see you there. I'm about to. I'm about to get over there too. In my teens, I lived in、um, a small city called West Jordan in Utah, and、uh, oh, wow. I kid you not, man.、Um, there was a total. I think the school had like 1,500 students, but there was a total of 12 Asian kids at、oh, the school.、Wow. <laughs> so I definitely felt it when I got there. And what made what made it more interesting was I also. I was very influenced by the Mexican culture, so I,、mm-hmm. I, I and, and it was the '90s, guys. So、um, I, I, I had my my dickies. I had my, you know, I, I dressed like a, a cholo, and then they、yeah. see. So they're seeing this Asian kid who dresses like a Mexican, and like there's only. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see those photos when you can share them. <laughs> oh my gosh, man! I had the long like, and and I had the long Asian blonde、um, with, bangs with the bangs with the bangs. <laughs> Because that was in back in the days, you know. So it was a yeah, it was quite a trip. Genius.、Um, what, how would you describe your relationship with being Vietnamese as, like, while you were growing up? My relationship, I didn't try to lean too much into it because it was all around me. I would say because、mm. you know, with family and then、uh, with the community, I took it for granted in that in that sense. So it was one summer and.、Um, It, uh, right before I transitioned from elementary to junior high, I watched and consumed a lot of MTV. For you young people out there who don't know what MTV is anymore, <laughs> that was popular before YouTube and and everything. But I made a conscious decision to kind of try to be Mister, be be popular in、uh, in junior high. There wasn't much representation of like cool Vietnamese people in、um, yeah. around my age、um, in the nineties. So.、Um, I fell in love with like the hip hop culture. I fell in love with the、um, the culture that I grew up.、Uh, I grew up nearby, which was the Hispanic culture. So it was like I didn't really lean into my Vietnamese side、um, because all that I can、um, all I all that was seen in my household was Paris by Night and the karaoke community of like the、yeah. laser disc.、Um, the most Vietnamese thing I did growing up in junior high was my father. Figured out a clever way to get me to get more proficient with the language, and so he taught me karaoke.、Um, oh wow! For a couple of reasons. So one, so he could、uh, have because、uh, he trained me to be a singer、um, ever since I was in first grade, and、um, he wanted me to entertain his buddies, you know,、um, over the weekend. Because you know, <laughs> with Vietnamese, one thing that I love, I love now about our culture is we know how to have a good time, and that's something I grew up、uh, really seeing. Right in the flesh, where my father would have his friends over on a Friday and Saturday, and they're 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 having the time of life, eating some、mm-hmm. very unique, exotic dishes. But I was that guy who he figured 
I could be their uh, the the guy who can sing the younger stuff and as well as the popular music that he wanted to listen to. Hotel right. California, Besa Me Mucho, because my English was perfect. But then he's like, <laughs> "Let's li- let me kind of just have my son do a little bit of both." So, yeah, so I grew up actually learning how to sing and read Vietnamese extremely well, yes. not understanding what I was singing about because um, <laughs> because the lyrics don't translate conversationally. You know what I mean? So I'm like. As I'm trying to later on try to apply the type of um, words that I learned, it didn't work out, man. So I was uh, <laughs> so the only Viet- so I told people the Vietnamese I speak is karaoke Vietnamese. I don't <laughs> <laughs> not even conversational Vietnamese. I spoke karaoke Vietnamese. So wow, that's that's such a great story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I guess kind of going back to my my relationship with being Vietnamese later on in my. Early twenties was when I actually got a uh, introduction into the Vietnamese um, entertainment and entertainment community, as well as the re- immerse myself in the Little Saigon, Orange County community. I um, mm. I was able to get an opportunity to work at a television station after I had a small stint in Hollywood as a. I pretended to be a uh, an actor. I'm I'm not an actor, guys. I I was going through um I was going through a pretty bad breakup um in my early twenties, and I said after I went through that breakup, um I said I'm gonna do something crazy. Uh, I always wanted to be in Hollywood. I went up there, did some extra work, and I'm a um I I, I could say I'm a smooth talker. I, I I'm a good networker. <laughs> so uh, I was uh and there wasn't that much representation back then as well. So. Uh, yeah. I got to know a lot of, you know, key key tip um, while you're networking. Get to know the, the 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 key players who make decisions, right? So I got to know the casting directors. This one casting director um, who I worked with often, he ended up booking a film called The Fast and the Furious. It was they're going on their third installment. He didn't tell me what the film was about. He called me up on a Friday at 4 p.m. and was like, "Hey Johnny, I got a I got a pretty cool movie I'm working on." And you would be good for um, you'd be good for the movie. I'm like, okay. Uh, what do I have to do? He goes, all you got to do is just dye your hair blonde and uh, <laughs> and 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 do what you used to do when you come to set. You were like the bad boy on set, so just do that. And I'm like, okay. So I um, so I he made me drive all the way up to Universal, and uh, I literally just didn't even audition. He just had me just recite kind of my junior high upbringing. I was kind of a bad boy in the '90s, and then they said. Boom! You're our guy, and <laughs> next thing you know, I show up, and I'm on the Fast and the Furious. So I was, um, I worked on that movie for uh, about a, a month and a half. Um, I played, you know, one of the bad boys, henchmen, uh, bad guys, uh, like you know, henchmen. And then one of the the other extras on set, he was talking to me and was like, "Hey, you, you, you must be some famous uh, um, actor now, right?" I'm like, "Yeah, I guess so." He goes, "Like we have, <laughs> we have, a, I, I have a new TV station that I'm working with. Um, maybe you can come down." So um, I, I took the opportunity. I went down. I um, acted and said, "Hey, I, you know, I've, uh, I have a little bit of experience here in uh, television." I didn't. I've never done television in my life. And then. Um, <laughs> The guy who was doing the hiring was like, "Would you be interested in being a producer?" I'm like, "Sure." So I went home, and after that, and I looked up whatever I could in terms of how to be a producer, and um, mm. ended, up, ended up working for that TV station for several years. That led me to 
a lot of interesting opportunities. I worked as a on-air personality in the news. Um, I did um, community pieces. I've done. I, I did a dating program, uh, both in English and Vietnamese. I've done a lot of concerts and. That got me really immersed into it, but again, yeah. kind of going back to the language was the big uh, was my biggest learning curve. I still couldn't pick up the language because even while I was on television, they were just saying you be the English correspondent. So I mm. um, I never was put in a position where like I have to really pick this thing up, you know, and pick up the language. Yeah, so it was there was quite a lot of interesting things that happened, and and I learned and met and some cool people. Uh, while I was in in television, I th- I feel like that's kind of your superpower to <laughs> build those build those networks and yeah. nurture those relationships. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's definitely like what you harness too for all your projects. Um, yes, like you said, you've probably dabbled in or like explored a lot of different types of media and entertainment. Oh. Eventually, you went into music for some reason, which I'm hoping you can explain. But like, sure can. You worked mm-hmm. with uh, Q York, Filipino American mm-hmm. hip hop duo, mm-hmm. and then you joined JL Forty Three. They feature now the the DJ duo, the Hotel Lobby. Which, the Hotel Lobby, right? Yep, right here in Huntington Beach, California. Mm-hmm. Shout out to those guys because they just appeared on the Slants Foundation produced event. They're amazing, man. They they put on a hell of a show. They were awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you did a little K-pop project. Can you <laughs> can you share like the, the music industry experience? My background in music is I am a trained vocalist all the way up through college. The only program that was available while I was in school was um, classical. So I'm a trained classical vocalist. Okay. Um, Whoa, dude. <laughs> yeah, man. It's kind of a trip. During that year, I actually um, took a class in jazz. I fell in love with jazz. And because mm. of the... Freedom, the creativity. There's no structure in jazz. It's just you're you're vibing with people, and I guess that kind of just naturally kind of flow into the way that I my mode of operation. I I'm a an air sign, so I I flow in and out of um, uh, opportunities and, and and communities and so forth. So how I ended up doing K-pop was um, I met a Korean American producer, a concert promoter, I'm sorry. And, um, he saw some experience that I've worked, uh, when I worked in television for, um, one of the big, uh, Vietnamese, um, entertainment company outside of Paris by night. Uh, there's another company called Vansun entertainment, which is mm-hmm. a very, it's a comedy, um, focused slash documentary about the Vietnamese experience outside of Vietnam, mm-hmm. an amazing, amazing organization, uh, a program. Uh, I was the production manager on that that show, and uh, he's like, "We need somebody that has kind of big show experience." Have you heard of uh, K-pop? I'm like, "Yes, I've heard of K-pop," and um, <laughs> and and he's like, "Yeah, we we need you to help put this thing together." And uh, I ended up joining the team. I did a couple of high profile K-pop tours here in uh, in America and and Canada, and got to experience how crazy and passionate fans can be. About <laughs> about the arts when they fall in love, and, and yes. that's one thing that I would say K-pop has done out, um, more successful. Prior to that, would be like the '90s um, pop groups like NSYNC and Backstreet, yeah, and, boy and, bands, and, and the boy bands, and New Kids on the Block. You know, earlier mm-hmm. than that, but like K-pop was just on another level, man. I mean, my job, guys, was I was a production manager, so my job was to make sure 
vendors as well as the talent were on schedule so that we can deliver the deliver you guys an amazing performance. But while you have such passionate fans, things that we were run into are the fans will find out where the boys are are are, are going to be. <laughs> um, so it was like we would have we have to send um, fake information to, via Twitter to yeah. um, to get them a, to go somewhere else. But guess they end up they they ended up split. I, I feel like the fans <laughs> they split up and they're like. We're going to chase this. Um, we're going to chase this news, but we're going to go with the original source. And yeah. then, so in, in addition to dealing with logistics, I'm having to deal with safety and security briefings and, and so forth. So it was an unbelievable like <laughs> experience just to witness that. Um, and the, why that first K-pop show was such a high profile one. In the early 2000s, there was... Um, there's a band called DBSK, which was one of the biggest K-pop groups at the time. They just recently went through a public split and um, where three members decided to create a subunit. And this was their first tour as the subunit. Um, mm. And so there was the 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 ones that couldn't see the boy band, like, you know, separate. They're like, no, like, you guys can't be doing this. And then there's the loyalists who are like, we, we support what you guys are doing now. And so there was it was it was crazy, man. So music just in general has always been a part of me, man. Like I had the honor in my career to be a part of so many different aspects of the music, um, uh, the music side. And you mentioned earlier, the group that I'm still actually currently from, um, with is a group called Q York. We're a production um, group from the Philippines. We're with Warner music and, uh, yeah. So I've everything, anything dealing with music is always, it's, it's inside me, man. It's a part of me. I love that. It actually ties into what you're doing now really well. Uh, I met you last year. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Hugh Gray, Coffee with Bao episode one. Episode one, <laughs> yep. For introducing us. And uh, we met for real coffee. And, you know, I, I just really appreciate when I meet someone and I like feel like instantly that I can continue to learn from them and share my weird experiences too with them without feeling weird about it so, um so i appreciated meeting you but like right after we met you begin to launch vietq media yes which is your yep. new company um and it's less than a year old it's already gained a ton of momentum <laughs> it's already made a ton of progress on its mission of advocating for the vietnamese diaspora in music um can you actually like Give your elevator pitch of VQ Media. Yeah, so um, when I met you for coffee, um, one of the reasons what, besides just the Hue introduction, was that I recognize you from, uh, I think it was a MySpace. <laughs> um, this the, thing. Yeah, exactly. Boom, right there. <laughs> and I remember just saying this was such a cool concept, and I I wanted to pick your brain about Ming and Ping, right? And... At the time, there were several other groups that were coming up that were not part of that industry, the uh, um, the of uh, Paris by Night industry, you know, mm -hmm. um, and people that were doing these original um, work, bodies of work, you know. And uh, I took a break from the entertainment business for about three to four years, and then um, there was something that was missing, and it was it was the music space for me, right? And I've always been an advocate for finding 
young Vietnamese American songwriters and producers and, and music. So then when I was、um, looking for content again or looking for、uh, music to get inspired by, there wasn't a single place to find it. Yeah.、Um, and that blew my mind in terms of there's so much content out there. Why hasn't there been any kind of media focus on some of these,、um, some of these uh, uh, talents? So After you and I spoke and extensively about your background and things like that, I just kind of went on this,、um, this, this mission and I went on this crazy rabbit hole and I started just finding all different types of、um, Vietnamese、uh, artists from ones that don't really lean into it from a marketing standpoint. Because that was kind of a big thing in the early 2000s. Some would be like Viet Pride and all that stuff.、Mm-hmm. And there's some greatness to that identity. There are some that just, hey man, I just want to make good music. and I happen to be Vietnamese, right?、Mm-hmm. So I came across this one kid out of、um, Houston, Texas. After、um, you and I spoke, his name was,、um, was a Japanese name. But when I started digging into his music and his、um, body of work, the kid accumulated over a billion streams on Spotify. And,、um, and I'm like, so who is this kid, right? So I looked into his story. He, he, he's been only doing music for about two years and he did the traditional route that most Vietnamese kids did, which is follow、uh, into certain professions that felt were safe. So for, for him, it was the,、uh, the medical field.、Um, he, I think his parents wanted him to be a nurse and he、mm-hmm. went through the entire program, graduated, told parents, I'm not going to be a nurse. <laughs> 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 and、uh, he leaned completely into music, man. And, you know, Uh, two, two years later, a billion streams known internationally. And、um, this kid's name is Keshi. Keshi is one of the biggest rising stars in the AAPI scene at the moment.、Um, so, from Keshi, led me to this other kid named Kai Dreams in Portland, and which led me to all these other amazing acts. So, I think、uh, after about a month, I found about 60、uh, different names,、uh, different、wow. artists from both America and Canada. And then from, from there, I expanded my search to Europe, which to the viewers, there's a lot of、uh, Vietnamese all over, sprinkled all over Europe.、Um, the largest concentration would be France and Germany,、uh, mm-hmm. to be more specific. But there's, there's Holland, there's Denmark, there's the there's Czech Republic,、um, the Netherlands,、um, Sweden, and so forth. And that was such an amazing experience when I started finding artists in all those different countries. Now, mind you, In searching for musicians, it's not as easy to find somebody by their surnames or by their maybe a Vietnamese name、um, yeah. in there because artists are artists, right? They come up with、uh, interesting different things. Like, so I had a really, I, 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 I started kind of just putting it out there in the universe. I'm like, hey, universe, I'm looking for, I'm looking for all these different amazing Vietnamese artists, you know, and bam,、uh, referrals came in. And next thing you know, I just, I, I went from that original list of 60, and current today, I have discovered just on the artists alone, I've discovered over 180、um, artists from around the world.、Uh, and I'm not、so、including,、dumb. and I want to be very specific, I'm not including Vietnam in that number. Vietnam is、mm-hmm. like, it's, it's a large number.、Yeah. Uh, the, but I have 12 countries represented and growing and still growing. So,、um, VQ Media, my goal 100% is to be kind of this central hub for the Vietnamese diaspora、uh, community for musicians. I've expanded my passion also into other forms, such as comedy. There's、um, 
a group of amazing uh, comedians that are, uh, are are doing some work over in Europe as well as here in uh, um, in America. Here in America, the part of the largest one um, back in the days was that fan, but um, mm-hmm. but the one probably has the biggest notoriety at the moment is a, f- a amazing female um, comedian by the name of Ali Wong. She's 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 breaking barriers and um, and she's just amazing at stand up. And uh, also athletes. Um, one other thing that I really got um, really passionate about is uh, promoting and finding um, amazing Vietnamese um, uh, athletes as well in basketball and soccer um, and uh, esports. Esports is um, <laughs> something. So it's I guess just in general, I my my whole mission is to take my background that I learned when I was in television and become kind of this uh, Netflix for VQs, essentially. Like, there's a lot of amazing content out there everywhere in all forms. Podcasters, YouTubers, um, yeah. musicians, and so forth. But it's, it's, it's scattered. And unless you're looking for it and you stumble up, uh, across it, then you'll follow it. But, if you, but in terms of if you were to just look up VQ... There's not one place that kind of focuses on that. And to be specific, more specific, these are diaspora folks that speak in their natural, in their first language, which is either English if they're here in America, North or Canada. In Europe, it will be French and German. So these are where Vietnamese is kind of a part of is a part of them, but they're more proficient in these um, in their host country where they currently live. So I think that's cool because you're the one saying like. It's totally valid to be a German person who has Vietnamese blood, right? (laughs) And usually when we think about like advocates of Asian American work or or any kind of BIPOC community work, we really focus on the origin of their heritage and not their current state of being. Yeah. And so what I appreciate about VQ Media is like you're exploring and you're in, you're embracing everybody's current state of being and I'm you're embracing. saying this is valid and beautiful and I think that's really cool. Um, I'm going to show a little image of VQ Media and uh, give people a little summary of where to find you. Johnny Dean wins. The latest company is called VQ Media. It's something I wish I had earlier in my music career. <laughs> During the MySpace days, <laughs> VietQ amplifies artists from the Vietnamese diaspora from around the world, including Vietnam, uh, in an effort to unify the Viets in Vietnam and the Viets from everywhere else and identify what we have in common and, and kind of bring those commonalities together. You can find Johnny D and VietQ Media on his website, vietqmedia.com. That's V I E T Q M E com and their social media handles are all the same, VitQ Media. Let's take a little break. Hey, it's Bao. You know, sometimes I feel insecure about even calling myself an activist. I mean, all I do is make art, right? And hope that people feel something or think or address certain topics that I care about. And that's not exactly the highly visible type of activism that they write about in articles, right? Uh, but I'm realizing that that's not true, you see, because art inspires and art moves you to action. Art makes f- people feel like they're not alone. Um, essentially, art matters. Uh, so I serve on the board of a nonprofit called the Slants Foundation. 
that helps empower artists of color with the resources and the support system that helps them understand that their voice matters. And there are now dozens of high-profile articles about the impact of our nonprofit, uh, which makes me feel kind of good. If you think that I'm talented, you should see some of the artists that we've been working with at the Slants Foundation. But we need your financial support to do our thing. And that means money. We need you to donate money to the Slants Foundation so that we can nurture the next generation of cooler, better, smarter bows. <laughs> so if you can't afford to, please make a tax-deductible donation to the Slants Foundation by going to theslants.org and tell them that Bao sent you. All right, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. See ya. Let's get back to the show. So the company's pretty new, less than a year old. Mm -hmm. You started mostly with just assembling playlists of Correct. artists and producers, but I know your, your plans for this are, are pretty huge. Mm -hmm. um, where do you see all this going, and, and when is the Viet Q Media World Tour? <laughs> I, I see, honestly, the World Tour and also the... Um, I, first off, to answer your question, where do I see this going? Uh, sky's the limit. As I said earlier, my goal is to be kind of like the Netflix um, for all things Vietnamese content, uh, Viet Q uh, content. Um, and it, it, I'm, I'm even more motivated now more than ever after a conversation i had with uh somebody who i highly respect in the media space um who actually is has one of the biggest uh, media conglomerates in vietnam and when i had a conversation about the idea of having a, a hub for all vq content she shared with me that the local vietnamese audience are not terribly interested at, um, in vqs um, because of there's a couple of reasons. Number one, in Vietnam, a country of 100 million people, there are so much exciting things that are happening there. Um, the country as a whole, and I encourage everybody who is uh, from the diaspora who to really go back and visit Vietnam one time, um, at least minimally, because maybe some of the ideas that you've had about what Vietnam was is very similar to what Americans have about what Vietnam was, which is a war, right? Um, Vietnam is gorgeous. The, 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 from the, all the way from north to the south, there's so much history there that you cannot learn from just the history books, you know? And there's so much to learn about the country. And the only way to learn about it is honestly to, uh, to experience um, Vietnam in the flesh. Um, yeah. And so that's number one. Number two is the interest of the, the, the local Vietnamese are there's there's um stuff that like you know in the other neighboring countries that they might be more interested in just like the korean culture and their entertainment and also um the the chinese and their entertainment so i think that there's um kind of speaking to the types of um content that um local vietnamese are looking for is predominantly mainly over in the east right um mm. the, the the east stuff. so when it comes to vqs they kind of identify us with our new host country. So if you're an American, yeah, you're. Uh, it, what what makes you very different from like the, the in their eyes uh, other Americans, right, or Canadians and so forth. So that's that's kind of the other the other piece of it. And third, there's there's a growing group of VQs that do go back and do business in the country, 
And um, let's just say they, they come back with a lot of um, privilege or entitlement. Like, we're the, we're, we're, we grew up in these countries and we're, we're badasses. Um, mm -hmm. So um, you're a third world country, so kind of like bow down to us, right? And that is not a good way to kind of create any kind of relationship, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and so we, are, we, we kind of perpetuate this whole western like superiority, superiority. Thing, right? yeah. yeah and it's um and it doesn't rub them the right because uh, now going back to the economy the economy is growing guys in vietnam so there's and and the and the workforce is so young and ready to the to to do anything you know to 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 better their lives the middle class is growing so we can't come back and just say and we as an uh, an american vietnamese can't go back and just say give me this opportunity because i'm an american no add value to the conversation mm -hmm. And also, what are you going to do with that relationship when you're there? Are you going to put it in a certain light so that you can share with the rest of the world that Vietnam is moving away from the war identity? And, and, and that's what that country is doing. Vietnam is moving away from that identity and saying, we are a tourist destination now, guys. You know, come go check out our, our beautiful sites, our hotels, and, and go see our people, experience, experience our country, you know? So... That's so what inspired me more after that conversation I've had with her is that we have to first kind of get the all the overseas community outside of just America and kind of put them all together and start sharing the, the commonalities and the differences that we have with each other um, overseas. So the um, again, the um, Americans with the Canadians, the Canadians with the Europeans, let's let's bridge that first and, and then uh, and get them to really want to uh to support and care about each other and then let's bridge it with vietnam let's go back to vietnam and go okay there's this content there's this group this the, the vq community is it's not just the stereotypes this this is it right here and then kind of bring that back to vietnam and like mer um, introduce it to the local vietnamese people you know, like yeah. as, as a overall community, as VQs. So that's where I have shifted my attention from just music because that's my passion and will always be my passion to partnering and collaborating with other types of content creators and promoting them. So and I think that really has shifted where I see VQ media headed. Like I mentioned earlier, comedy, especially in this time, you know, it is AAPAI month right now. And especially in this time, I think laughter is needed. I think there's some seriousness <laughs> that's going on, you know, in the, these topics that need to be discussed, but, and I, and I support that, but I also feel comedy is also important to get people to relax a bit and like, and, and, and just get some energies out and just enjoy laughter and, and, and so forth. So, um, I love what yeah. these com comedians are doing and yeah. So I think once I kind of incorporated that as well as, um, a food, I'm also incorporating a lot of food content. Um, and sharing about some of these uh, ways to simplify or make, bring things to your home for folks that um, are not in the major hubs like in, in Orange County so that they can enjoy Vietnamese food wherever they are. So Nice, nice. I know that a lot of the artists really appreciate that you've been their ambassador in the, in the recent months. Um, when did it click to you that you were like, hey, this Asian thing these stories are important. <laughs> like, this um, work is important. So I've always been an advocate for, I would say, 
Asian American music representation. Anything that like back in the days, um, this would probably date me, but like when MC Jin first came out on the scene as a Rough Rider and he was like the first Asian signed to a major, like yeah, that meant a lot to me, man. And then others as they kind of, um, whenever there was an Asian coming out in the scene, um, the Far East Movement, um, Johnny Hi-Fi, um, uh, so, so many to name, right? Um, you, <laughs> um, I, 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 I just gave my 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 support immediately, you know, um, because there wasn't so many. So then I, where, when it did click for me was currently today in the AAPI landscape, there was always like uh, kind of a tier. There was the mm. East Asians would be kind of the the more acceptable, stronger names like the Koreans and the the Japanese because of their industry, but yeah. the Southeast Asians. The Vietnamese, the Cambodians, the Thais, and so forth, we were not taken as seriously. And specifically speaking to Vietnamese, um, I would say most of the times when the AAPI community looked at Vietnamese music, uh, they thought about the big variety program, Paris by Night, and was like, okay, I, I, I got to learn the history and the importance of that. But it's like mm -hmm. the whole Paris by Night brand is about creating this beautiful variety program uh, and promoting some of the older um, catalog of music for the immigrant uh, generation, you know, but it wasn't about original artistry, you know what I mean? And and that's what I felt the next wave of Vietnamese entertainers had to kind of always have to, to do that. And I think that's why some guys ended up kind of dropping the leaning in on the Vietnamese ident um, identity when they come in as a performer and were like, I'm a Asian American artist. Instead of saying I'm a Vietnamese American artist, they were like, yeah, um, because of that association. So. Uh, I felt like it was important for being that confidence that you can say you're a Vietnamese American artist and do original music uh, so that in the greater, um, in, in, in the Asian American community, they would change that, I um, change that thought about us, you know? So. Absolutely. When I launched the Bao Act, like two or three, three years ago, I had to really mentally overcome all of those challenges that you were yeah. just talking about. Like, yeah. am I going to be identified as like Paris by night performing at the casinos uh, when I say I'm a Vietnamese American entertainer? Do I really want to put Vietnamese up front instead of Asian American? Yeah. And that was really hard for me it to was. like really have the confidence to be like, you know what? Nobody's really doing this representation yet, but like I'm going to do it because that's important to me. But I also and, want to just note that the, I, I'm not knocking that. It serves a certain purpose, absolutely. right? Um, yeah. Just think of it like in America, think of it like lounge singers, you know? They're, yeah. you're, there not to, you're there just to, to hear and dance and have a great time and have an experience, but you're not really there to listen to original music. So I'm not knocking that. So I, I hope for listeners and viewers that um, that's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is that I wanted to promote people that are more that are artists an artist is very it's very different from being a singer and like and that is i so appreciate that about you and and viet q media as well so um that's like i said that's what i had been missing throughout my career and i'm so happy it exists now and i'm you know i'm on your team dude <laughs> Thank you. one nuance that you're eventually going to run into is the term viet q itself a lot of people will have some criticism of that term because it's often a way for native Vietnamese in Vietnam to identify outsiders, right? Correct. Sometimes in a derogatory way. 
how do you want to clarify how you want to use that term and like spin it? Um, that's, that's, that's a great question. I mean, speaking to my um, media mentor in Vietnam, she did bring that up as well. And um, the word that we want to move towards, what, whether it's going to be VQ Media leading it or not, is we want to start moving the conversation of local Vietnamese, which you, heard, you keep hearing me say, and VQs, mm -hmm. and start moving it towards a unifying word, like maybe just straight up just Vietnamese or like global Vietnamese or something where we're unified. But that's going to take a lot of work and evolution because we still got the trauma from the, the, the VQs that uh, are still to this day have not let go of what, you know, from the 1975 event, just like it, it's still a very hot button topic um, in yeah. terms of how people view April 1975 in, in, in the West or in the overseas side. We call it the fall of Saigon, where in Vietnam, it's called the reunification. And it's, yeah. uh, it's celebrated in like the 4th of July, like it's huge, you know, um, but we view it as a, a day of mourning. And I think that what I would hope for us to do in the future, maybe five, 10 years from now is we start moving our conversations towards unification, whether we agree or disagree on the, the, the which flag to really adopt. <laughs> um, but for folks in the West or folks that um, are from the diaspora, let's start working towards healing and letting go of the trauma. You can never erase the memories of what happened because our country, the country, the war caused a group of people to literally split up, man, you know? Yeah. And, um, and we still to this day cannot fully come back together. We owe it to our future generation to unify again, you know? So um, I am inspired to be a part of that conversation for the next 10 to 20 years. But as for VQ media as, as a whole, um, we're, we still are trying to work to connect the other communities as well. Like, uh, as I mentioned, the, 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 the Americans with the Canadians and the Canadians with the Australians, the Australians with the Europeans, like let's, let's work towards that because that's, that's 4.5 million people guys. That's yeah. still a big number. That's still a big number. And yes, it's not 100 million like in Vietnam, but 4.5, if we could imagine this, imagine if we got everybody all on the same page. That's a nice industry of support. There's a growing group of entrepreneurs that are supporting, that are developing brands like co coffee brand, like, you know, Lee Sandwich is one of them in terms of, but there's like others when, you know, you, and you've interviewed several, you know, when coffee supply, um, there are people in um, the fashion industry. There are people in, um, you know, tech companies and things like that. Let's let, imagine an, an economy where we're all like supporting each other. And it's same thing with the arts. Imagine like in the arts, we're all supportive of each other. Um, our value will come up and then it, it will also take notice. Vietnam will take notice of us because the, the, the music industry, for those who don't follow V-pop or follow Vietnam's um, music industry, it is one of the rising territories in music. Um, Absolutely. You know, and, I, and I'm saying that very confidently because I'm, you know, under the Warner Music family and uh, I get to partake in these conversations and Vietnam consumes a lot of original music like the biggest pop star in vietnam he gets every time he puts out a record he gets like 200 million views on youtube you know like that's that's k-pop numbers you know yeah and he, he does a tour he sells out a stadium my vision is to take the experience that i had working for mr vanson um entertainment and the k-pop shows and i want to put on that kind of programming 
for North America, for Europe, but filled with this next wave of VQ talent. That's so, that's very noble, courageous, <laughs> and like absolutely needed. But I'm kind of pissed off because you totally covered my follow-up question. <laughs> so I didn't even get to ask it and you covered it fully. I guess there, there's a sub follow-up to that, which is sure. while we here in the U.S. have a pretty limited education about what Vietnam is, mainly through the perspective of Americans, right, and the right. American war, and also through our families who obviously escaped Vietnam during the war or after the war. And so we have a pretty limited, Very limited view of yeah. the country and the culture and, and the history. But now there's been several generations of Vietnamese Vietnamese in Vietnam who have been educated in Vietnam under uh, the Vietnamese government with that version of history, right? How are we eventually going to reconcile those histories? <laughs> and how will art and music play a part well, in that reconciliation? Well, art, art has always been a big part of, um, of history, man. I think that we, we start with celebration and we focus yeah. on celebrating the beauty of what makes Vietnamese art um, and all forms of art, not just music, but all forms yeah. of art. Um, because what I'm loving about what's being promoted by the Department of Tourism in Vietnam is they're showing through video and through that type of education that here they're just changing the image of at least the natural beauties of Vietnam. That's the first start is people that are in the world of video and the world of visual arts um, showing Vietnam as a place that uh, so we can all be proud to represent. Right. So ch and then changing that image of um, um, that most of the world knows that is war. Um, and then second is to take stories that originated about the Vietnamese, um, maybe certain folk tales or things like that. Mm. And, and given it a presentation where it can be consumed by um, folks in the West or folks um, everywhere else, just like actually a good example would be, um, and I found this to be very impactful was um, the most recent Disney film, Raya the Last Dragon, Raya. which was co-written co by uh, Vietnamese. Him and Adele Lim, um, his uh, co-writer, they presented kind of the climate of what Southeast Asia is, you know, through these um, fictional lands, right? Um, yeah. And I think that Raya is a good kind of jumping off point in terms of what I feel is going to help us continue to kind of keep breaking down these barriers is arts has such a big role in that um, because yeah. it helps us open up conversations. One thing about being Asian generally is we, especially from our previous, uh, from our, our parents' generation, all the trauma that they went through, they kept it inside. Uh, they didn't yeah. really share it so organizations like our podcast like vietnamese boat people and things like that where encouraging these stories to be told is is very powerful and needed um because me specifically being born and raised here in america it's almost like when we think about the vietnam war and what our parents went through their journey to come here to the states if i knew how raw and crazy it was i think my appreciation for my culture would have been a lot different um in my early years instead of taking it for granted like i said mm -hmm. earlier um because i if i was in my early 20s and go, went through the journey that they went through to get to america um in a country where yeah exactly like it's <laughs> exactly man you know um 
And I think these stories are, are, are needed to kind of even close up some of these trauma by sharing it. Yes, it sucks to, to kind of go back to that place, but when you hold on to something, it's not healthy. And I think that's why it's important for us to share, not just for storytelling purpose, but for education purpose. Yeah. So that this younger generation, especially this next generation of um, kids that are growing up, when they look at themselves and, and they check off that they're Vietnamese, uh, Vietnamese like they, they know what that means, man. You know how hard mm-hmm. it is for, for, for a family to, to grow. And that will encourage them to want to learn about the history. There's probably a group of uh, growing younger historians who want to transcribe or translate this to more international audiences. That's why organizations like um, that focuses on literature, like literature, um, uh, DVAN, um, the Diasporic Vietnamese American um, Network. Network. Uh, Vietnamese yep. Artists Network. Vietnamese Artists Network. Um, those organizations are doing a great job in terms of at least trying to build an economy for people who write for a living. And then maybe once that economy grows a little further, they can go into, let's go to Vietnam and really tell these, um, these unique stories, you know? So. Man, cosign all of that. And I think you put it really well when you said when an artist express themselves and call themselves a Vietnamese American artist, they should know what that means. I think that's important to me. And I, I want to put an extra underline under that because as artists, we're making stuff that expresses who we are. There's a little bit of homework we need to do. And there's a little bit of education and effort that we need to put in in order to fully appreciate the roots of where all of this inspiration comes from. That's really hugely important. You guys, I'm talking to Johnny D. Nguyen. He is the founder of VietQ Media. You can find his website, vietqmedia.com, V-I-E-T-Q-M-E-D-I-A.com. Same handles for all the social media accounts. Man, you're just covering all the very important stuff that I love talking about. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate you. Um, what's going on with you as a as a regular person, as a human being? Like, what does success look like for you? Because you're doing so much stuff and you're putting quite a lot of responsibility on yourself. Um, I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I'm. Uh, in addition to just this 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 journey that I'm on with um my identity and then really being a curator of all things um, from the VQ community. Um, I'm also working on being a better version of myself. Of, uh, and I think this self-love is an issue that I think a lot of Asians also have to deal with. And I think um, the, the topic of self-love is not as viewed upon, I guess, um, before for me as being conceited or um, being selfish. Um, and mm. I, I, I want to, I, I want to redefine it or re- share what my, uh, my views on self love is. Um, when you choose yourself to be the best version of yourself, that's not being selfish. That's actually you're able to affect more people um, and your loved ones when you are when when you put that at the forefront, right? So yeah, because. You, you you believe that you can do anything. You believe that what you're doing is great. You put effort into taking care of your body. Yeah, you're just you're gonna you're gonna look better. You're gonna feel better, and that's gonna that's going to affect everything that you do. When I used to not take that seriously, um, it f- affected me as a as a 
uh, partner and husband to my uh, to my wife. Uh, where, how would I say, I'm. I reach a certain point in my life where I'm just like, hey, this you know, I'm good enough. Um, I don't need to do anything more. I'm cool. <laughs> um, and that was a and, and and that wasn't a that wasn't a cool that that didn't help grow um, yeah. a deeper connection with my wife, right? Like a vocab, you know, learning, evolving, or t- you know, all these different things. So I think that once I kind of shifted towards me doing everything from it's making sure that I'm the best version of myself, I ended up being a, fin- a lot better of a husband, a lot better of a partner. Um, and same thing with friendships and um, and so forth. Now, so, you're absolutely right that. Yeah. Y- you can only be well equipped to affect positively the world around yeah. you when you yourself are in the, your most best place, right? Yeah. Or uh, the best you can be. Yeah. And the reason I laughed when you said some of that is because I can relate to that so hard. <laughs> it's just like, and I know a lot of people can. They're just like, yeah, like you got to just be comfortable in your own skin and yeah. also feeling at your most strongest point in, in order to project goodness uh, everywhere else otherwise you're kind of handing out a product that isn't there yet this is something that i think i would really appreciate your thoughts on and sometimes i get discouraged about the pace and the difficulty of growing my audience as an artist (laughs) i feel like you're especially good at this though (laughs) like and your projects, you know, have a really nice presentation to them. Thank you. Your networks really support you and value what you do. Is there anything you can teach me that you've learned about building that audience and, and presenting things in a way that, you know, people find value in? Um, well, thank you for that. I actually do. Str- I have been struggling with the content that I'm promoting, I have accepted and realized that there's not everybody who is as passionate as I am about um, uh, promoting original art uh, within the VQ community. I lean in on the ones that I know have been impacted when I get DMs or messages from people from like Holland or this girl. I, re- I remember specifically, there, I got a DM from a girl in France that was just like, I love your content because even in my small town, I don't have anything that connects me with um, my identity. You know, when I have those moments are when they're like, Oh my God, you introduced me to one of my new favorite singers. Now it makes it worthwhile. Yeah, man. I, I, I think that just continue to it consistent content and push um, and, and just don't give up because it's a, uh, you're always going to have my support and uh, I'm going to continue to keep on advocating for, um, creators uh, with my business background I'm trying to now you leverage this network so that we can build a supportive ecosystem for each other love it um, because that's honestly sustainability it's you, you got to show by by money you know what I mean yeah you can follow you do all that stuff but it's like if you're if these artists aren't able to make this their main thing or their main source of income they have to go back to their day jobs and a lot of them yeah. are doing this kind of part-time or pat but the the way art works so the way media works is when you strike a chord with an audience you gotta you gotta go that's what that's what needs to happen is when there's momentum like this 
in the music world with this Keshi kid who is like unbelievable. Just by the way, he just released a single a couple of weeks ago, and in within 24 hours, this kid got a million streams off of that one single. So it's like there's these guys that are doing it already. We just need to continue to keep showing support from our own community and support here. So please make sure that whenever there is a project out there, film, documentaries, music, food, just go and support them because it's um mm. because that's that's the only way for us to continue to to keep creating. If we we effectively do this right, we can inspire this next generation to create some amazing stuff. You know, yeah. because they're not having to feel like, oh wait, there's not gonna be an audience for it. Um imagine I was from, told that, Johnny. Yeah. I was imagine. told that by executives at, at, at record labels. Ima exactly. I don't know if there's a market for your content. What do you mean? <laughs> and, and, but so just picture as a creator where we have a plug-in audience that actually yeah. wants this stuff. Like that creativity is going to go. I can't even define what that creativity is going to look like because it's going to be something amazing. Because now they're not creating from I have to tailor this so that I can maybe grab this audience and that audience no we got a built-in audience man that's ready to support you yes and that's that's what i'm looking forward to Woo! all right we're on this mission together mm -hmm. my brother thank you man before we go i want to just shout out to some of the organizations that are doing similar awesome work you called out divan as one of them who also they are responsible for diacritics Thank you guys so much for highlighting Coffee with Bao uh, a couple weeks ago. I really appreciate that. Who else do you have? The, the, the Song the, Collective? The Song Collective uh, organization out of New York. They're an amazing group working in the theater world, uh, live theater world, and uh, helping us tell the sto our stories in our voices. And I think that, that um, check them out. There's a, there's, a lot, uh, there's, there's a lot more to that in terms of yeah. why it got there. But... Um, Definitely, um, check them out. Uh, Vala, um, they've been around yeah. for quite some time. One of their big things, they uh, one big event they always do every year, other year, is the um, the Vietnamese International Film Festival. So, um, which this year is one of the years that they're doing it. So definitely check them out. A lot of amazing podcasts, um, including yours here. But we got um, our good friend um, Kenneth Win with uh, the Vietnamese. Um, we got uh, a new one that just launched called Vietverse. There's a uh, the Vietnamese Boat People podcast, which that Amazing. one you, def you, you definitely have to check that out. Kind of, I, we, we touched about it earlier in terms of the immigrants. I mean, the people that came over here, our parents that came over here, they, share, they need to share their stories. That's exactly what this initiative is. There's a pretty funny one uh, called Asian Not Asian. It's, it's, um, it's a yeah. Japanese and a Vietnamese um, podcast co-host that they talk about all kinds of random things, but yeah, they're, they're super funny. Um, the Asian Hustle Network is another one with Brian Pham um, and Maggie uh, Maggie Chui. Um, they, they talk a lot about of, uh, entrepreneurship and these great success stories. A couple last ones that I want to touch on is the Hot Podcast, which is a podcast of European Vietnamese comedians as well, and they connect with American comedians, and they just... They their topics range all different types of things, but it's just it's <laughs> I a, haven't heard that. It's a hilarious, hilarious um, podcast. So I, I learned quite a bit by by checking that out. So it's the Hot Podcast. There's the um, a really popular one in Germany called Rise and Shine. 
um, two journalists from Germany. It's all in German, so I, I, I can't really tune in, but <laughs> I know that my German, um, uh, I, I have a lot of great supporters in Germany. Um, they, they highly recommend that podcast, so um, they've shown us some love as well. And the last one, <laughs> a different alternative lifestyle. It's a program called Consenting Adults by Lena Wynn. And Lena Wynn, you, uh, awesome. for those here uh, who are familiar with her name, she, you can see her. You saw her actually quite a, uh, for several years on uh, KCAL 9 and uh, CBS. She's a regular um, uh, mm-hmm. anchor woman. It's not for everybody. It's, um, it's adult content, re- adult subjects. But um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, um, I hope you do too. Very nice. Project Yellow Dress is, is something I want to highlight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned the, the Banmi Chronicles. The Banmi Chronicles, yeah. Project We're Voice. Missing. Yeah, Project Voice. And uh, at least one of those, the, the Slants Foundation has been keen on. I also want to shout out the Slants Foundation. Yep. Just They're awesome. really, really lubricating this process of amplifying our voices and just being super supportive. I'm really proud to you know work with those folks. Johnny D. Nguyen, I am so grateful you spent all this time with me and just expelled all your brain juices mm-hmm. <laughs> at the camera for me. <laughs> um, I just want to remind everybody, Johnny runs a new, fairly new company called VietQ Media, and it's just doing really amazing stuff. You can find him and everybody he's promoting at vietqmedia.com. Don't hang up yet. I'm going to do a little outro. I'll come back and say goodbye to you, right? Any last thoughts? Um, no, this has been an amazing um, conversation. We can go on for like five more hours. <laughs> what, a, but what a hell of a second coffee convo where the first one got me going. Um, and then six, this is exactly, yeah, we're about six months later. And here... Here I am about to embark on some, some other, some just more amazing things, man. So I'm yes. just, um, so you, you definitely have been a, a instrumental part of, um, this, this part of my life right now. So, um, amazing. Yeah. We're looking to revisit this, uh, another six months and see <laughs> how, I know. how much of progress is happening. That's so awesome. Guys, if you, uh, enjoyed Coffee with Bao today, help me out by subscribing or You can just share this with your network because, you know, that's what friends do. (laughs) If you can, like uh, Johnny D. Wynn said, support financially to help me keep doing this. Uh, It's actually super labor and resource intensive to put this show together. So if you can help fund this show, you can do so at coffeewithbao.com. There's a big blue button that says leave a tip. And I really appreciate that. I have so much fun. I love doing this. I'm going to do it no matter what, but I would just really appreciate whatever support you can send this way. So, Johnny and I, thank you so much for having Coffee with Bao. We'll see you next time. You want to see our beautiful mugs while we chat? Coffee with Bao is also available in video. Just search for it on YouTube and hit the subscribe button.